Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Oh, how I miss those summers of my youth and a brand new can of spray-on tan. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's show, uh, we've got a uh, another question from me for uh, Jeff Grasick in an Ask the Pipe Maker segment. And then my guest is uh, novice pipe smoker Benjamin Spence. Uh, music and mailbag. And a uh, and a very topical uh, McClellan. Well, let's put it this way: a a uh, rant on McClellan a little bit, and a comment to uh, what the uh, Country Squire Radio did in the past couple of weeks with uh, with McClellan. So in their in their shows. So uh, you got that to look forward to. Uh, got a jam packed show for you. And again, I will let you know the minute the uh, JDRF auction items are at uh, Steve Fallon and when he's going to have them listed and posted and put up and do all that magic that he does to it at pipestud.com, which uh, I guess is uh, his site's back up and working again. So I've seen him post a couple uh, couple of weeks in a row now, so that's good. Uh, haven't bought anything, though. I haven't seen anything that I really needed yet. But uh, all right, and uh, for those of you that are interested... Um, if you don't like snakes, don't listen for the next minute or so. Uh, but, uh, baby bird update, uh, last Wednesday morning, I hear my name being screamed from downstairs and I have to go down there and see what's going on. Uh, and and let me just recap earlier in the morning. I did see that there was one, still one baby bird still in the nest. And then, uh, a couple hours later I get the screaming and apparently a black snake had uh, gotten up on top of the light fixture. Now, here's the uh, here's the interesting part of this, because uh, apparently uh, it hangs from the center of our covered front porch. It's about two and a half feet away from any wall or pillar in the ceiling of the front porch. And that's where the porch light hangs. Well... We got it on our ring video doorbell thing where the snake climbed up the front wall and which apparently they are very good at doing and managed to uh, stretch himself out or herself. Didn't check the gender on the snake, but I'm assuming since it's a snake, it was a guy. Um, Anyway, uh, stretched out over there. And when I got there, uh, he was, you know, hanging on top of the lamp and, Anyway, knowing that it was just a black snake and that it wasn't going to be too harmful to me, I was able to get a stick and some uh, and a spray bottle with water and a box and got him down off of there. Uh, we have I did not see any evidence of him being of the snake being able to get to the baby birds, uh, but the, to say the least, the nest has been empty since then. And uh, yeah, and the snake came down and uh, the snake wandered around the front porch for a little bit as I shoot him off into the little woods area near our house. And so there you go. Uh, Mother nature live on the front porch. Uh, no more baby birds in the nest. Don't know if they got away. Don't know what happened and uh, have not seen the snake since then. But uh, now all that's left up in the uh, porch light is a mess for someone to get up there and clean out like me. 
So there you go. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with another question from me for the pipe maker, Jeff Grasick of J. Allen Pipes. Jeff, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Brian. Don't make this one too hard. Well, it's kind of the opposite of the last one. Mm. So I've... Easy? Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, None of my (laughs) questions are ever easy because I have a hard time Mm. saying them. And then you have to figure out what I just said. Uh, it's much easier if I just read a question and then you have to figure out what they've read. So we're just trying to keep things interesting around here, Brian. Yeah. So what are the things that you don't want or you find annoying or you find problematic from somebody who is trying to commission a pipe from you? Um, and we, and last time we talked about, shapes way out of your wheelhouse or out of your you don't have a wheelhouse you're fancy your design portfolio sorry (laughs) yeah let me hold up my cup of tea with my pinky out as i say design portfolio that's how i hold my pipes man oh yes well Mm -hmm. uh, maybe i want to design a pipe with a pinky rest on the end of it Uh, i would say no okay so what are the, I would say I, I would happily recommend another pipe maker for you. Yes, <laughs> and that would be somebody good. Um, never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ouch! Yeah. Ouch. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Open that door. I'm coming in. Um, so what are the things that you know? What are the things that are really hard to really hard for you to do? Uh, what are the things that just say right away? No, I'm not going to do the commission. There, there are a couple uh, red flags for me, um, and these are not every one of these things is necessarily um, unreasonable, generally speaking, uh, but just might be things that I'm uh, unwilling to accept uh, from uh, in a commission. Um, some of those things can be materials that pe- uh, people want me to use. So if someone calls me and asks me to want, uh, they want me to use a blue acrylic stem. Mm -hmm. Uh, for a mouthpiece, I would say that's just not something I do. Um, say, well, even if I pay you well, like, no, I I just don't like blue acrylic mouthpieces and would prefer not to work with it. Um, no, no judgment about that material itself. It's just not, not something that I want to put my stamp on. Um, so material choices can be one of them. It could be someone wants me to work with Morta or someone wants me to make a, a Meerschaum bowl. Uh, I, I can think of a very narrow set of, a uh, very narrow um, like set of, of uh, collectors who are friends of mine who I might play around and make something like that for them. But generally speaking, I wouldn't accept a commission like that. So materials would be one thing. Um, another would be um, if there is a... Um, a price that just doesn't work. Um, so if someone has a price expectation that's unrealistic, that doesn't match up with my price range. Um, that's just immediately unreasonable, uh, for me. Cause you know, of course this is a business and I'm trying to pay my bills just like everybody else. 
Um, and and that could be that, so that could be a simple scenario where the pipe uh, where the pipe smoker doesn't understand exactly how complex uh, making of a shape is or adding of a design feature is. Sure. And sure. just it's uh, it's not it, it's not that they're being cheap. It's that they just don't have the knowledge for. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And, and, you know, with the, um, you know, my use of social media, uh, the, the proliferation of pipe advertising and self-promotion uh, through social media sources, a lot of times people will be attracted to a pipe maker's work and uh, through these mediums, but will not have the background knowledge or experience to know kind of what price range or, or what, what is, what is reasonable to expect from a particular pipe maker. And I get this, you know, mm -hmm. less frequently now, but I've, I've had this before where someone excitedly says, I'm ready to place a commission with you and I've got $120 to do it. I'm like, Whoa, $120 of anybody's hard earned money is not uh, like that. That's not a small amount of money. Uh, it's just, not enough to get you into one of my pipes. Uh, I'd be happy to recommend another pipe maker or or another pipe brand where um, you could uh, put that that amount of money to use and get yourself a good pipe. Um, it's just not going to have my stamp on it. And that's uh, um, I I, I, I want to be absolutely respectful of everybody who's willing to part with their with their uh, their hard earned money to have someone make a pipe for them. That's uh, uh, but yeah, you've got to. There, there has to be um, an understanding of what what range a particular artisan is working within. Is, um, so, the, is time to is time to produce a pipe also sometimes a commission issue? And and I'm thinking, in, for example, you know, a spouse a spouse significant other whatever wants to buy a pipe as a gift, but calls mm -hmm. you on December 10th and says, "I need it right. delivered." So un understanding that you've got a normal rotation of work that you have to do might also yeah. be. No doubt. No doubt. That is, that is uh, another thing that will be an immediate red flag. If someone calls me and says, Hey, I've never bought a pipe from you before, but I want to buy your nicest pipe and I need it in a week. I would say I've got, you know, I have a list of people that are, that I'm, uh, whose pipes I'm working on right now. I have all these other obligations and I can't just front list you. Um, and, uh, you know, there might be someone who will, uh, that's just not me at, is there an average time frame that we're looking at for a commission? And I, and now I understand also, you know, my black for my, my five inch black sandblasted billiards, you know, you can pop those out in between pouring bowls of cereal and, and uh, <laughs> reading the newspaper, yeah, right. <laughs> You know, but if somebody starts in on, you know, one of your, uh, one of your fancier smooths, that's a little bit mm -hmm. more time consuming. Uh, and not only more time consuming, it's also more unpredictable, um, that when, it, when you're making a sandblast, there's a, there's a lot more forgiveness, um, in, in the creation of it simply because, um, uh, there's, there's less that can go wrong, um, yeah. with a sandblast. Uh, but with a smooth pipe, there's a lot that has to go right for it to even make the cut. Have you ever had to turn down a commission because of the size of the pipe and the availability of the raw material to make the size of the pipe? Yeah, I've I've had to do that before where I've had I've had orders for pipes that were too small or but uh, or pipes that are too big. And 
that kind of fits into something we talked about in our last discussion about this, where I have to keep in mind as on the business side of me has to keep in mind, like if this customer isn't satisfied with what I've made, I have to have another, I have to be able to sell it to someone else. Yeah. And if they're making a request for a pipe that is so large or so small that I don't know that I would have a backup customer for it in the, the event that it was rejected, um, I will be less likely to accept that commission. So that brings up another interesting point because, uh, we all love Rich Esserman to death, and we all know mm -hmm. that Rich Esserman likes pipes that most people would use as walking sticks or, you know, small batons to fend off an army of attacking armadillos or, you know, <laughs> um, you know whatever you want to have. He likes big pipes. But if, he, if he's the only market for that big pipe, mm -hmm. and then you've got this big pipe, then you're kind of stuck with that very large pipe and what exactly you, yeah so what are you going to do with it you know and right right and i mean it's too big for me to want to smoke <laughs> it for myself um and i you know and I've, I've even heard that from people before like what's the big deal you can just keep it and smoke it to your uh for yourself like if someone doesn't want it and i just kind of shake my head and say i mean my mortgage company wouldn't really accept that response from me <laughs> when i tell them why i don't have why i don't have my payment this month <laughs> can i send um, you this big pipe you'll love it right Right, exactly. So, um, you know, generally with um, with commissions and, and, and sales in general, uh, there has to be an understanding from all parties that, uh, you know, as, as much as this is a hobby for a lot of people and it's something that people do for relaxation and uh, um, uh, for their joy of collecting or, or, or observing uh, nice pipes, that uh, for those of us in the business, this is this is how we pay our bills. And and you know, we've got to, we have to make a good business case behind, uh, behind every, every commission we accept. Have you ever been asked to stamp a person's initials or etch it in or do stuff like that on, on a pipe? I'm, I'm happy to put people's initials, um, or, uh, engrave, uh, to the best of my ability, uh, with my little, my little stamps, um, <laughs> on a pipe. Um, but, uh, I, I've, I, I did have one time, oh, a long, a long time ago, someone asked me if I would scrimshaw on a piece of ivory on a pipe. And I just kind of shook my head and I said, that's just not something I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So don't ask Jeff for a whalebone. Although, right. <laughs> although you live right there by the coast, you could go down to the beach, pull up a whalebone and you'd be good to go. Oh, they're all over the place. Just littering it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thank you very much. Uh, happy to help. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. 
we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with a seven questions with novice pipe smokers. Remember, these are these are pipe smokers that have been at it for two to five years, which is kind of an interesting age range to me or you know, range of pipe smoking time. And joining us is Benjamin Spence. Benjamin, did I say that right? Yeah, that's it. Okay, perfect. So a nice, easy name to pronounce. So let's get to know you. First of all, your superhero origin story. You're young. How young are you and where are you from? So I'm 23 years old. Um, I'm from Alabama. And so kind of how I got into pipe smoking was I went to college at Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama. And a group of my friends, they um, they were older, you know, juniors and seniors in college and they had kind of uh been they pipe smoked every now and then and uh and so they were into it they invited me to join them at some point and so when i at that time state law was 19 years old yeah and so i had to wait until i was 19 but once i turned 19 that december uh started hanging out with those guys smoked pipe um i'd always found it intriguing or interesting just because you know the big lord of the rings fan and so when they had said that they smoked pipe i thought that sounds pretty cool <laughs> um, so so i got uh, got with them got a cheap dr gray bow and uh, started smoking a pipe from there so if i told you and for those of you not in the united states or not in the southeastern united states um Auburn would be War Eagle. That's right. <laughs> not that not that other tide thing, right? No, 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 not at all. Never. No. One of the greatest in-state rivalries of two colleges in the United States is Auburn and that other university of the state. Uh, that we, That's right. We won't mention them for you. <laughs> So we'll, we'll make it easy. Uh, all right. So let's start off with your, uh, with your seven questions. Question number one, you survived getting started smoking a pipe. What was your aha moment that got you past the trial period and kind of got you on the road to, you know, you stuck with it. Yeah. So I think that first year or so of smoking a pipe was just kind of, with only with that group of guys every now and then maybe once a week or a couple once every every couple weeks and so really kind of what got me like into being a more serious pipe smoker was first of all getting a much better pipe so (laughs) around a year later probably february um that next year so this would have been i guess 2018 i'd uh, gotten a Savinelli pipe on the internet and that kind of, so having a much better pipe made it a lot better and then getting into a lot better tobaccos. So I'd made around that same time, I made my first visit to, um, there's a pipe shop in Birmingham, Alabama called the Briary. Oh yeah. Skip Elliott's place. Yes. Yeah. Awesome place. I love that place. So I made a trip there. Uh, which is about two hours away from Auburn. So I don't make it too often, but got a nice pipe recommendation. So I got a pipe and a great tobacco to go with it. So that kind of, once that happened, um, got some good tobaccos, started listening to lots of podcasts. So, you know, got more 
uh, pipe tobacco recommendations. And then uh, finally kind of through that exploring period found my love for Virginia Perique uh, pipe tobaccos. And so it just, <laughs> from there, it just, it, it uh, derailed from there. At a young age, you've come to the dark side. All right. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't spend long on that. You know, a lot of people go through that kind of aromatic English Virginia Perique. So I went through a period where I did like Englishes a lot, but I didn't, I wasn't there very long. It was, it was probably a couple months, but then I just had a really good Virginia tobacco and it just, it changed my life, I guess. Uh, what tobaccos did you try based on a recommendation that you did not like at all? So there's probably a few that I would say uh, for this. One, with, it wasn't necessarily a recommendation, but like my first pipe tobacco was uh, Peterson Sherlock Holmes, mm -hmm. which, I mean, I couldn't tell if it was, you know, if I liked it or, you know, it was just smoking at that at when I first <laughs> had it. But since then, since I've had it since, it's not floated my boat as well. But so there's that. And then I've had a couple of recommendations from the briery, which most of the recommendations they make are great, but um, one that was just kind of am, and probably need to revisit it uh, sometime soon, but it would be Rattray's Dark Fragrant. Mm -hmm. um, so that, it was recommended to me, and it was all right. I just It's one of those things where I'm, I'm never really in the mood to kind of try it again, because usually if I want to smoke a tobacco, I'm leaning more towards like the elizabethan or escudo type yeah. tobaccos yeah so but you did get you got recommendations that pushed you around into some different avenues yeah and yeah, for sure yeah that helped you find out where you really like to be yeah uh, mm -hmm. and your tongue is still with you so you're okay yeah that's true that's <laughs> true all right third question uh, how has your preference in pipes changed over time, like bent versus straight, large, small, smooth, rusticated, or has it really changed at all? So I, I wouldn't say it's changed a whole lot, just in that I think I'm, I'm not a huge, you know, they say that you're either like a, a pipe guy or a tobacco guy. Yeah. I'm definitely more of a tobacco guy, but I would say probably early on I liked a lot of rusticated pipes so kind of or sandblasted rusticated type pipes but more recently i've since i've gotten more high-end handmade pipes i've got a few smooth um with the you know the bird's eye that looks very nice that i like a lot so could that have been affected by the fact that when you started you were in college and most college students don't make a lot of money i, I mean that could be that could be part of it i guess yeah, yeah i don't know and now are you out of college and making a real living I'm out of college. I wouldn't say I'm making a, I mean, I'm making some money. I'm a teacher, so I don't like a lot. Well, yeah, bless you. Underpaid <laughs> and underappreciated. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was your holy grail pipe when you started smoking a pipe, and what is it now? Yeah, so when I started, probably once I had started to explore different pipe designs, I really uh, – were, was drawn to just any pipe that had a bamboo stem. So like for a while there, I was like, I really want a pipe with some sort of bamboo on the stem or 
or something or shank or whatever you could, yeah. but you know, something yeah. like that. Um, so I've since I have two now that I really enjoy. And so now it's just, I think it's not in any specific pipe. It's just kind of making that next leap towards a more artisan pipe at some point, you know, if I can get the funds for that. Have, and have you found as you've as you've matured in pipe smoking that you know you get fixated on maybe you want a uh, you know like you said like a bamboo pipe and then once you get a couple of those then you're moving on to the next thing that looks interesting to try like a long shank or yeah you know, mm -hmm. have you gone through a calabash phase yet or I haven't gone through a calabash phase no I, I mostly stick towards a lot of similar pipes at this point. So I really like kind of the Danish style uh, pipes. So I have a few of those. Um, but yeah, so haven't branched out a whole lot. Cause like I said, I mean, I'm not, I don't have a whole lot of pipes. I've got probably seven briar pipes and then a few corn cobs, but, but yeah, so, but it's definitely something I hope to explore. Yeah. So then, and it gives you, but, you get a chance to look at different pipes online and see stuff yeah. and then go, ah, okay, maybe. Yeah. Um, what, what is the one pipe right now that if money was no object would, would be, would be heading your way to Alabama? I'd have, you know, anything that looks cool on smokingpipes.com at the, at the <laughs> moment, probably, you know, cause you, you know, usually the way it goes is I see something there like through the email or on the website and I'm like, Oh, that that's really cool. But I'm also like, you know, I've never, it's it, it, right now. It doesn't feel like it would ever be a thing that happens. So You'd have but I don't to... have a specific pipe. I'm not like super into the different types of pipes. I'm almost, uh, very much a tobacco guy. All right, cool. All right. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more in just a moment. So stay with us. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with uh benjamin spence who uh you know war eagled himself into pipe smoking and then uh, and, and then is back in the classroom teaching so just boy keep it up um anyway we'll we'll continue on with your seven questions what are a few of your favorite guests from past episodes of the pipes magazine radio show or any podcast, in fact, uh, and why? Yes, yeah, so I really liked the uh, the Steve Brown interview mm -hmm. that you did a few years ago, uh, just because uh, 
Um, he's a just great theologian, Christian guy that, that, you know, he knew, he knew a lot of people that he's with a lot of people that I um, keep up with a lot. So that was just interesting to hear his experiences. And he was actually the, um, the, one of the professors to my campus minister in college. And that's, that's where the group of friends that okay. I learned yeah. how to smoke a pipe with, that's where they, that's where we got that connection. And he had a story one time where he was walking to class and uh, Steve Brown's in his car, just hot boxing the thing, smoking <laughs> his pipe. And just, she was, that's, that's a good one. Great story. And so that was a good interview. Um, and a, and a really, a, a really approachable and easy to talk to guy. Yeah. Yeah. And you definitely get that from the, the interview. And then also, you know, I also listen to Country Squire, Squire Radio. Mm-hmm. So anytime John David Cole's on, it's a, it's a good episode too. So I like to listen to the two podcasts I listen to kind of collide in those interviews. Yep. All right. What is your favorite thing to do while smoking a pipe? So I usually, uh, I listen to a lot of different podcasts. Mm-hmm. So I listen to, I usually uh, put on a podcast and just sit on my porch and smoke my pipe and just kind of have that time to just relax and you know at, usually at the end of the day so I'm just kind of wind down what other types of podcasts do you like um so uh, as i said before i really enjoy the lord of the rings books and movies so i listen to a podcast or the you know it's called exploring the lord of the rings where the guys just going through pretty much paragraph by paragraph the Lord of the Rings. Um, so I'm oh, wow. going through the back catalog of that podcast, but it's been going for probably five years now. But so, so listen well, to that. So will they do like a, like a, you know, like a 20 minute reading and then, or a 10 minute reading and then talk about it for an hour. So usually it's, um, it, it's about an hour of, of talking about the book. Uh, and it's like, he, he'll pull up the slides. So it's, he'll have like a paragraph. So we'll read the paragraph and then kind of talk about it for a little bit and then another paragraph. And it's a, it's a great podcast. Love it. Boy, that's a, that's a podcast that could go on for years at that rate. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it's been going for five years and, um, and I'm going through the back catalog cause I only just started listening to it, but I think currently they're still just a little over halfway through the fellowship of the ring. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a real slow burn. Yeah, I, I've done a couple of podcasts on some of my favorite TV shows where they do an episode a week and then and then they're done with it. And it's like, you know, 220 weeks and then you're over. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a paragraph or two a week. Of, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. And, and then you got The Hobbit that you can go yeah. back and do. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, let me go back to uh, so you're you were in a campus youth ministry or youth uh, youth mm-hmm. group. I, I've asked this of other people, but do you think there's is there do you think there's a correlation between pipe smokers and people of faith? Because it seems like it does kind of collide a little more yeah. often. Yeah, well, it, it definitely seems that way. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the kind of the the way that pipe smoking and the kind of contemplating 
different things and the meditating and stuff like that. I don't know if the, that intersection kind of leads to that correlation, but it definitely seems that, that there is some sort of correlation between the two. And the, uh, and the front porch pipe smoking, is that like, is that pretty much the only time? So maybe once a di- once a night, depending on the weather, you'll, uh, you'll pull out your pipe. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's typically once a night. Um, occasionally on the weekends I can get one or two, depending on, but get one in the in the afternoon and then one at night. But depending on how yeah. much homework you have or uh, or how much I have plan. to grade, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing that students don't realize. You know, the teachers assign the homework and then uh, teachers <laughs> have to read all of it. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll so I'm a math teacher, so I don't have to do a bunch of reading, but they'll have a test, and then sometimes like that afternoon they'll be like, "Oh, have you graded the test yet?" And I'm like no or or they'll take a test on friday and they'll expect it to be graded by monday <laughs> and it's like it, I, I never say it but i always think in my brain like what if i gave you homework on a friday that didn't have to be done by monday would you do it over the weekend you know but <laughs> and, and you knew it was going to take you you know three hours or something like that but yeah they just don't they don't understand but no. that's okay I have a, a PhD black belt in procrastinating. Yeah. In fact, I procrastinate to procrastinate. Yeah. So yeah, I I can understand that. Uh, have you ever uh, accidentally dumped ash on somebody's homework? Um. Or had hot embers? Probably. <laughs> a, a, if it would be a little, just a little bit, not enough to where it's like all over the the homework or the test, but you know, just little little flakes here and there, probably. I'm picturing you looking at the homework and going, is that a decimal there or did I drop ash on that? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, no issues like that, huh? Mm, not yet, but I'm sure it's coming at some point. All right. Here's the fun one. Are you ready for your final question? You get to ask me anything you want to know. Uh, so I think, so something, like in anything, anything, anytime I look, look this up, it's kind of hard to get clear answers, but it has to do with like ghosting of pipes. Mm-hmm. So I understand obviously like aromatics ghost heavily, Latakia goes heavily, which I don't really smoke much Latakia anymore anyway. But um, I was just wondering if like, like more condimental type tobaccos, like dark fired, or orientals does should i worry about ghosting with those as much like if i have a a virginia perique blend but has a little bit of dark fire should i try and keep that separate from my normal virginia perique tobacco pipes or like how should i go about that so i i've got because i am a fan of the hh old dark fired i've got a couple of pipes that i really kind of dedicate to just that hh old dark fired uh because that that is a pronounced flavor that, mm-hmm. and, and I've done this experiment and uh, I've done it with some uh, K Woody's and Medicos and, you know, disposable pipes that were already beaten and abused where I yeah. took the pipes and I smashed them with a hammer and broke the bowls and looked to see how far into the wood the, the discoloration of smoking had seeped in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over time, what does happen is, you know, stuff does come into the wood. It comes into the bowl coating. 
So whatever is predominant is going to ghost in and you're going to have a bit of a problem with it. So, you know, like my Virginia Periques, when it comes summertime, I have a couple of pipes that I really just kind of reserve for the Virginias because I don't want those older Virginias or those delicate Virginias to have to fight with a Perique ghost, which is, mm -hmm. you know, I, my, my, my skin is ghosted with Perique. I mean, I'm pretty sure that if somebody, you know, if they drew blood from me, they'd get caffeine and Perique out of it. So, uh, so you, you do get that ghosting effect and you, and, and yeah, you do have to be careful with it. I would say that if you have a relatively new pipe that you're, yeah, if you're if you're in the basic wheelhouse of Virginias with Orientals or Virginias with Periques, and it's not a real heavy Perique bomb, like uh, you know Elizabethan and Escudo, I think are in the ten to twelve percent Perique mixture, yeah. so they're not um, giant Perique bombs. But you know, as long as you're keeping it clean in between smokes, you shouldn't mm -hmm. get a real heavy residue. Um, but at the same time, if you've got seven pipes and you want to dedicate one to Virginia's, one to Virginia with Orientals and one to Virginia with Periques, those pipes are going to develop a better and better reaction to yeah. that because that stuff does seep in and it does work in. I don't care how good a bowl coating is that I've seen. The uh, Going back to the 1960s, some pipe makers were using asbestos as a bowl coating. <laughs> Uh, you know, not real healthy, but you know, yeah. we're not going to worry about that, but that would be a solid barrier that would stop yeah. the pipe from bleeding or getting ghosted. Um, yeah, the, the water glass and the, and the traditional charcoal based pipe, you know, uh, bowl coatings that people are using now, I, you know, they're going to leak a little. And they're going to let some of that in and it may be in the bowl coating and it may get into the wood. Um, if you're worried about it, try the, either the kosher salt or the, uh, or my coffee method coffee of method. just unground coffees or ground, ground used coffees and see how it works for you. Um, okay. give it a try, experiment with it and see if it does help kind of refresh that pipe when you shift gears on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Let's go back and talk about your pipes for a minute. You, yeah. So you've got seven now? I've got about, yeah, I've got seven. Seven, seven briars. Seven, and, seven or eight, something like that. And, and a couple of cobs. Mm -hmm. um, what makes you decide, you know, what, what really pulls your trigger on what pipe you're going to smoke at what time? Is it just which, yeah. <laughs> which one I haven't visited recently? I mean, it, it usually is which one I haven't visited recently because, like, if I broke down by percentage the blends I smoke, it's Virginia Perique, probably 80-85% of the time. So typically so the when I ask the ghosting question, it's just it's typically just to because there's the occasional probably ten percent of the time that I'll smoke a Virginia mixture that will have something else like a dark fired or yeah. something like that. Um and then there's the very rare, probably less than 5%, but we'll say 5% now that I smoke Latakia. So, you know, the blend I'm, I'm smoking 
rarely has anything to do with which pipe I smoke because most of them are Virginia Preak uh, or straight Virginia pipes. Uh, so usually it is which one I haven't visited in a while. Um, uh, yeah, so picking up picking up which one, it's like, okay, I smoked that last week or a couple weeks ago, so I'll, I'll pick this one up and try it. Do you think your corn cobs ghost as quick quicker than your briars do? Or so usually when I smoke a, a corn cob, it's it's when the other little bit of the time that I will smoke an aromatic. If I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh, it's it's a hot summer day, smoke an aromatic. So it's when I use my corn cobs. I have noticed that there is one I have that I use to smoke non-aromatics, and I have noticed a little bit of a of a ghost in there. So I don't know if I didn't clean it clean it super well one time, but yeah. Because I use corn cobs for taste testing all the time. Uh, it, mainly in comparison when I'm smoking out of a briar because it gives me a different flavor right? and a different profile. But that might also be an option to your ghosting where you dedicate a corn cob to English and you dedicate it to aromatic and you, mm-hmm. and you just yeah. keep those separated out. And then... Yeah. And then also have one for your Virginia Perique so that you can get a different experience out of that and yeah. see what I'm really tasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Just a thought. All right. We will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. You've heard them all before, but there's no right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Let's do it. What is your favorite pipe? So I really, I really enjoy that that Savinelli that I had. So mm-hmm. it's like a Savinelli Trevi was rusticated 320, something like that. Uh, but I really enjoy that cause it's a nice, it fits in the hand really well. And it's got a nice yeah. wide bowl that I like to change it up. Cause a lot of the other ones just kind of have not near as wide. So I enjoy that one. I also have a, um, Eric Nording handmade that I got at the Briary, uh, probably a year ago in February that I really enjoy a lot. That'd be that, that, that Nording would be perfect for your front porch. Yeah, it's it, it it's kind of like that's the kind of the first major pipe, like major artisan handmade pipe that I've gotten that I really enjoy. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite tobacco? Um, right now, so I really like Elizabethan a lot, um, and Escudo, and those are kind of more readily available. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, though, I've really enjoyed the. Uh, the uh, Cornell and Deal uh, smoking pipes 20th anniversary flake dark that came out about a year ago. Yeah. After about a year, it the Virginia I guess the Virginias matured a lot, but I really enjoy that blend. I kind of regret that I only got two tens of it because um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like after a while I kind of want I'll, I'll want that and it, it'll just be gone. But that's the- I really enjoy that because I like the, the Perique in that blend. It's, it's really good. That's the pipe smoker's dilemma. I can only get one of this, and if I really like it, I'll never be able to get it again. Do I yeah. experience that one or two, or do I just pass on it and say, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but I, I'm glad at least that I got more than 110, because if it continues to age like it has as well as it has over the past year, then it's going to be very good. But So you're also starting to age some tobaccos too. Yeah, yeah, just from, you know, if I'm interested in something, I'll buy it and it'll just kind of age almost on its own. But I have, I have, so the stuff that I know I really like, like Elizabethan, I've got some of the Solani Virginia Perique. Mm-hmm. 
stuff like that, I've, I'm going ahead and buying some more stuff. So that, intending to age it. So I've got a few tens set back of those. Buy two, smoke one. Buy two, smoke one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. For sure. ne- next question. What is your favorite drink? Um, so I really like a, a good bourbon with my pipe, but honestly, the, to me, the, the pairing that just keeps is just always great is coffee. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the best, most consistent pairing with a, with a pipe. Yeah. There you sure. go. Yeah. I drink so much coffee. Now, have you started into like, you know, specialty brews or are you and yeah. So, I mean, I have a, I have a Chemex and I, I get some fresh roasted coffee. So yeah, real good coffee. So you're, but I I won't, I'm I'm not one to turn my nose up at, you know, other, you know, coffee, but I'll, I'll drink what I get, but I do enjoy some good specialty coffee. Oh, you are so far ahead of me at your age. Wow. I'm, all right. Um, when it's time, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? So I like each of them in their own place. But honestly, what I I probably do music most often, but also enjoy enjoy a good book. I just I like movies. I like good movies, but I never really take the time to search out and go you know find watch as many movies as I can. Like my little brother watches so many movies. Like I don't know how he does it, but <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd love to be like that. But I just can't. I can't get get myself to to have that much dedication. So, what does a young pipe smoking Lord of the Rings teacher? What what kind of music is uh, is tickling your fancy these days? Yeah, so I'm also a, a trombone player. So I, I was in the band at Auburn, did jazz band at Auburn. So I listened to a lot of jazz. Um, and also some more kind of folk type music. So a little bit of variety, some, some jazz, some folk. But. And you're, you're 23, but you, the stuff you like makes you sound like you're like 63. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my fiance tells me that I'm, I'm an old man inside, which yeah. is definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, the, uh, the final question is, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Yeah. Um, so I definitely go back to all those times with, you know, my freshman, sophomore year in college with those, those guys at RUF, but also, um, I, I really enjoy the memory of, you know, teaching my little brother when he came to Auburn, how to smoke a pipe. And so that's kind of a way that we still, you know, get together and, you know, chat about the week and stuff like that through, uh, smoking pipe so i really enjoy that that time i, I taught I taught him how to yeah because you know i'm a teacher so i like to teach people things and the pipe is one of the best things to teach somebody tell your little brother to go back and watch all the original sherlock holmes movies and he'll see the real pipes in them so yeah and, and, and since he's a movie fanatic he needs to watch those anyway mm-hmm. yeah Benjamin Spence, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. You've got nothing to sell, no Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, or something like that. Just keep smoking your pipe and uh, keep keep being an old soul and young skin. That's right. Thanks for having me on. And we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years... 
We've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. You know, I can't think of, I, I cannot think of a harder subject to teach in public schools right now than math. So I wish Benjamin all the best and, uh, you know, maybe the the uh, the pipe on the front porch in the evening will help uh, relieve the stress of the classroom all day long of having to teach math. <laughs> all right, for music, uh, the Newsboys have a new song out. And, of course, Jody Davis on guitar, so we get to hear that now. And they're back to just the the uh, four-piece for this upcoming album that they've got coming. Uh, but uh, this one is an early single that was released, and it's called Magnetic. As soon as I open my eyes, it's the same voice on the inside. Already so heavy, weighing on my soul. All the fear, all the worry, all the heartache, all the hurting, colliding with your lighting, trying to steal my hope. Some days I break, I lose my way, more doubt than faith. But every time I'm in that so deep you're so patient and so gracious it's unconditional even when i try to go my own way even when my heart is in the wrong place you bring it back around like a boomerang just like a boomerang because every time i'm in that fight your love keeps pulling me back pulling me back it's magnetic i pushed away but i can't escape
Newsboys with uh, pipe maker Jody Davis on guitar. A new song out now, available on iTunes and Spotify and all those places, and uh, hopefully the album's coming around the corner. Congratulations, Skippy. You've got mail. And remember, if you have comments or questions, you can email them directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com, or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. Uh, just like these fine folks did, including Dino, who wrote regarding last week's show, Mo was a terrific guest. I really enjoyed his thoughtful answers to the seven questions. His detailed take on each of the questions showed a well-grounded start to what I think will be, for him, a very satisfying embrace of the pipe-smoking community. Start that club, Mo. Uh, and then uh, Dino says, nice choice of an early rush tune. Good show, Brian. Thanks, Dino. You are very welcome, Dino. Yeah, I figured you might like that older Rush uh, song. So, And then Casey Ghost says, Wow, a truly great show with a great guest. First, on your comparison of Cope's Escudo to its later self shows the dangers in aging things too long. It's a shame you didn't get to try any of the four-ounce tin of Cope's that I acquired several years ago. This tin was 40-plus years old and absolutely rich, robust, and succulent. I gave some to several members of the KC Pipe Club and to a man they all said it was the single best bowl of tobacco they had all smoked. It was mouth-watering, but after being opened for a week, it rapidly began to lose its potency. On your slight change in pipe preference, I too changed mine from half-bent or more pipes to ones that are one-eighth to one-quarter bent. Like you, I love rusticated or sandblasted pipes. Sorry, I just can't get into straight pipes. Well, that's okay. Uh, and then he goes on to say, Mo was a real pleasure to listen to. It is amazing that you found someone who had invest all the time in studying the hobby before actually trying it. I was impressed with his knowledge of Vez pipes. Uh, for some reason, we can't get the word out about this guy, and he is truly a magnificent carver. And the teardrop, more on that in a minute. Uh, shape is just a marvel. Um, yeah, so let me just go back and remind people, you know, that not all old stuff is good, too. Uh, sometimes the stuff doesn't age well. So, uh, But, yeah, changes in pipes and, uh, you know, and I guess, uh, you know, when, when Casey Ghost likes, likes a show, you know you hit a home run. Uh, and then R. Shea writes, uh, Great show, Brian. I can relate to Mo and doing extensive research and jumping in with both feet. That's exactly what I did when I started smoking a pipe. I love hearing all the new pipe smokers entering the fold. I have hope for our hobby. Yeah. And I, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think, you know, if in the hobbies that I've gotten into, if I would have done, you know, done the research in advance, I might have, you know, I, I would have saved, I guarantee you, I would have saved money in the long run because, when you get brand new into a hobby, you do those new buyer mistakes or, you know, you get into collecting something and you always buy wrong, you know, the first time or a couple times and you end up just, you know, just wasting money on stuff. So, yeah, do your homework in advance. Learn, especially now with the nowadays with the amount of YouTube videos and podcasts that are out there on a subject. Dig in, dive into them, grab them all you can. All right, and from Dan Locklear, he writes, uh, It was a delight to hear from yet another novice pipe smoker this week on your fine show, and this one, alas, from the land of Julius in Canada. Uh, that's what really spurred this quick note. 
As repetition has a way of becoming fact, I simply wanted to note, which you of course know, that the shape Julius Vez created and continues to brilliantly make is called the raindrop, not the teardrop. Uh, I noted that Mo referred to his favorite pipe as a Vez teardrop, and one person in the written feedback did the same. In the grand scheme of things, this is hardly a big deal for, uh, after all, drop is in both, is in both eight-letter words. Uh, but on a show like yours where education is a part of its mission, I thought it important to mention this real fact. Uh, we couldn't have this problem, would we, if we all if all pipe smokers printed official shape names, perhaps in brilliant red on the pipe shanks. <laughs> Take good care. Thanks, Dan. All right, so yeah, it is, uh, it's a raindrop, not a teardrop. And there you go. And again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you're over on iTunes, leave us an iTunes rating and review over there. And in just a moment, the McClellan rant observation spurred by Country Squire Radio. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. show about uh, four weeks ago uh, the fine folks at country squire radio that's uh, john david cole bo york and they had my friend as a guest uh, russ hicks on and they took a shot at the mcclellan legacy now they talked about the history of the company they talked about the background of the company and then the main points that they wanted to talk about was what is their legacy going forward I have absolutely nothing wrong with anything they said because I hadn't really looked at it completely from their standpoint. At the time McClellan shut down, I had just left Sutliff and I didn't think all the way through what was going on. Uh, and from Russ Hicks as a consumer side and from John David Cole as a tobacconist side and a retailer, you know what? I got to agree with them. You know, from Russ's standpoint, he had been smoking this product all along. And yes, he'd been aging some and storing some. But, you know, they, they put out a letter saying that they were having problems in, uh, you know, acquiring product in November, December. And then two months later, they have put out a letter saying they're shut down, they're done, they're gone, everything's, everything's sold out. Well, from a retailer standpoint, like John David Cole, the same thing happened. Uh, he got the same letters, got the same information, and then all of a sudden he had to go back and reconfigure all of his house blends that he used McClellan components in. So that left a big hole in his uh, inventory, shall we say, and then he had to do some juggling. The same thing happened to my friends here at McCraney's here in Charlotte. 
they had to go and, and what they did was they just completely discontinued all those and slowly but surely over time came out with new ones. So all I can say is if you haven't heard the show, go back to listen to go back and listen to Country Squire Radio. I 100% com- agree with them. I don't know the reasons why everything happened the way it did, but all I can say is I understand exactly how they feel and what they thought and now as a consumer, yeah, I wish I would have bought more, but you know, it's too late for that. All right. There we go. If you have comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you have a question for Jeff Grasick for an Ask the Pipe Maker, email it to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And don't forget JDRF auction items coming up. Uh, iTunes ratings and reviews, much appreciated. Share the uh, podcast out to all your friends on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and all those groups. Thank you to uh, Jeff for joining me as always. Thank you to Benjamin for coming on with me. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny in my boot.